0: Today at Playspace, my two-year-old went around to all the other families to see what snacks they had. No fear, he just slipped into their group and said hello. At what point do we become too self-conscious to do that? And is that hurting our ability to build connections around shared interests or shared values because we're different in so many other ways? It's time to make a shift in the way you approach the world, to discover new ways of being. It's time to act. Make this the year you build stronger relationships and a diverse network. I'm offering a complimentary 60-minute strategy session for anyone interested in learning more about my Intentional Connections Mastermind, an online group coaching program for women coaches and speakers. I help these entrepreneurs shift their mindset around relationship building so they can discover new connections and business opportunities in the world around them and know how to act on them. If you're ready to shift, discover and act. Sign up for your complimentary 60 minute strategy session at robbiesamuels.com forward slash mastermind. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C Suite Radio, which is part of the C Suite Network, a network of a half million C level executives. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest is an award winning business owner, author, and recovering academic. She taught business communication at a university for over a decade. Analyzed terrorist documents to help provide counterterrorism messaging strategies to the military, and was a pioneer in the online education space. In 2011, she ventured into entrepreneur land and hasn't looked back. She's a VIP contributor at Entrepreneur, a live stream host, and a partner on Entrepreneur's video network. Now she runs the Dynamic Communicator, which creates and executes video and content communication strategies that helps organizations increase sales enhance the product experience, and retain customers. Her latest book, Dynamic Communication, 27 Strategies to Grow, Lead, and Manage Your Business, was released through Entrepreneur Press this past spring. Please join me in welcoming Jill Scheffelbein.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm so glad that you've joined us. And you're you're actually coming live from your office in New York City. And you are you have the best video setup of everyone I've ever interviewed. I want to acknowledge that. She's got her beautiful book sitting right next to her. Perfect lighting. I'm gonna to have to put some clips of this out there into the world just so people can see what like video ready looks like. Cause <laughs> it's awesome. So this is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So so tell me, Jill, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: You know, taking just off of what you said, and thank you for the compliment being camera ready, right? So let's just talk about leadership, even in the video space and really in any piece of content that you put out being consistent, right? And not just with what it looks like. I mean, most videos I put out now because I have natural lighting here. I have a fill light here. I can put a light here and I have a table. I mean, this is a decent setup for my, you know, tiny studio in New York city, right? I don't have the luxury of a ginormous studio like a lot of people do, but it's leadership to me is being consistent with all your behaviors and all your actions in all situations. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's going to be a little variance, right? Depending on the situational factors, but the core values, the core beliefs, the way you execute, the way you interact, the way you communicate is fairly consistent over all points in time. And I first realized that actually. When I was 17 and was one of those kids in high school like uh, Reese Witherspoon in the movie Election, for those of you who can date that far back and remember that movie, <laughs> like I was that kid who did every leadership thing. And it was because my parents told me at nine that if I ever wanted to leave Kansas, I needed to get something called a scholarship. So what did I do? I went to the library, looked it up, and was consistent with every single action wow. there on out.
0: That's amazing. I love that you uh, you also had a really clear goal in mind at a very young age. And then realized these are the factors that I had to do to follow through on it. So, so for you, leadership is about consistently performing in a way that people will, will know what to expect from you. Is that part of what I'm hearing from you? It's like that yeah. they, 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 they then know, okay, this is what you stand for. And I, I know that when I work with Jill, she'll always be blank, right? Like whatever the characteristics are.
1: Exactly. Cause consistency, it, you know, a lot of us in life, one of the things we try to do as humans in every situation is reduce uncertainty. And if you are a consistent, whether that's about things, places, people, what have you, if you are a consistent person, People who want what you have to offer know what they're going to get, and they're going to follow you until you give them a reason to deviate from that. So consistency, not only important for reducing the uncertainty in the mind of a potential fan or follower um, or teammate, employee, what have you, but also important to keep that you know continued throughout once they start. And if there's going to be any slight changes, that you're proactive in communicating those changes to your tribe.
0: This reminds me of one of those exercises that you sometimes do when you're trying to understand sort of what your strengths are and what your what your personal brand is what people see in you where you ask people to to share three words that describe you right you ask like dozens of people in your circle and then you see where the overlaps are and it and then you're surprised sometimes um, sometimes it's exactly what you expect sometimes it's just, there's something that shows up that you didn't realize you were communicating because communication isn't verbal right it's it's, a, it's the whole package it's everything and so that That is one of those ways to sort of fine tune. What is it I'm saying in the world? What is the message that I'm putting out there? And is it consistent across all of my social circles? Because I think part of it is like, there's a lot of talk lately about authenticity, but it's sort of like, are you you now? And then you later when I see you, no, if we're now in a social space and now you're in a business space or now you're with your family and now you're on the stage. Like the, people do like that, level of certainty. I like that, like kind of reducing the uncertainty. So it sounds like even at nine years old, though, you were pretty driven. <laughs> and I don't think it was just to get out of Kansas. It was probably something in you. W- were people nurturing that for you? Were you getting support and encouragement to to like push for those leadership positions? Did people see that in you? Or did you just like, were you very self-motivated?
1: You know, it's twofold, but one quick anecdote before I jump into that, and I will answer it is when you talked about the words that come up, the name dynamic, that's in my social handle at dynamic Jill. That's exactly how that came about was over thousands of evaluations from presentations and consulting gigs and keynotes. That word came up more than any other. And my last name is Schifflebein, and that's very hard to spell, but dynamic Jill is much easier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's really great. That's really great.
1: But to the point to answer your question. Thank uh, you. But when I was young, I was competitive as heck. Um, I was really driven to compete, especially in sports. And I think my dad was the one who really fostered that in me. Because ever since I could pick up and throw a ball, we were throwing a baseball around the field. He was teaching me to toughen up. And I loved that drive. And I loved the satisfaction you get out of working hard, being able to show results for it. And then, of course, I mean, winning is not everything, but let's be honest, it's pretty great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me about how you got your start. I mean, before, you know, this entrepreneurship thing, which you've clearly nailed, um, I think I said the word entrepreneur more than any other word in the (laughs) intro. Um, Even the word dynamic did not compete with the word entrepreneur. But but you got your start in academia and communicating. Like, was this uh, something you even noticed in college? Was there, was there like a through line to your story or is it more of a broken career path?
1: Oh, it's completely broken. And in some ways,
0: (laughs) you're in good company.
1: (laughs) Communication has actually been one of the few constants here is when I was, I don't know, 17, I fell in love with the power of words, like truly in love with it. When I realized that, oh my gosh, I get up in front of people, I open my mouth, I say things and then they take action and then there's positive change. And To realize that at a relatively young age and be conscious of the dots that were being connected, it was, as I said, intoxicating. And I thought, well, how can I do this? And so I was traveling around the country speaking at different high school events about the importance of community service and leadership, actually. Mm. So when I went to college, I thought I would be, quote, literally, a motivational speaker and leadership conference facilitator in Spanish-speaking third-world countries for youth.
0: Wow. I mean, hey, you've got a niche, right? Like you were ahead of your time in that sense. <laughs> I
1: was until I moved from Kansas to Arizona and realized that four years of high school Spanish in Kansas meant nothing when it came to Spanish in Arizona.
0: <laughs> uh, so the pivot then continued. <laughs>
1: it did, right? So pivot number one was that. Then number two was taking an organizational uh, communication theory class. And I fell in love with systems theory. Mm-hmm. And all the different components of it, how organizations restructure, maintain balance, come to different, con- you know, different paths to the same conclusion—it just fascinated me. So when I went to grad school, I studied that and ended up getting to do some of that analysis with terrorist camp documents, which I know is random.
0: Yeah, I, I love it. it's like a good two, two truths and a lie kind <laughs> of. Yeah, and I like study terrorist documents. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, you're, you're you're a fun social uh, little hack there as well. So. <laughs> Um, what do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today then?
1: For me today, it's all about really showing people how they can better connect with others through digital communication. I mean, communication writ large, obviously is my area, but I adore the power of video. It has Mm -hmm. done incredibly well for me in my business. It's landed me more opportunities than I could have ever thought possible. And when businesses of all industries are using video in meaningful ways the way it can transform the customer experience and create lifelong fans is amazing so it's really to your point you know how do you connect people and how do you lead through video
0: yeah that's great because it's it's not that new that we have the bandwidth literally <laughs> to to mm-hmm. pull video together but i think the fact that people now have the tools literally in their hands all day like with our phones and whatnot to do it and so people are venturing more and more uh live streaming is becoming more popular in so many different platforms it's funny at the end of a video uh interview i did yesterday my guest said okay i'm gonna record an eight second video with you for instagram ready go Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like you can just do that um so it's great that there are people like you out there sort of helping people how do you take advantage of this new you know, tool, but do it in a way that makes sense for your business. What are some of the biggest missteps that you see people making in that way?
1: You know, number one is just lack of professionalism mm. and thinking that they can, because I have a prop here, right? That they can just be like, hey, I'm live streaming today this way. Or what I find worse in many situations is, hey, I'm doing uh, this today. And it's hey. like, ah, you know, you most people are hurting their brand more than helping their brand when it comes mm-hmm. to live streaming and video. And mm-hmm. I, my side project is a mission to rid the world of crappy video one tip at a time. Like that's my fun site that I'm developing in you know the free time that we have because it makes me happy.
0: Are you doing like a, a hall of shame for no, <laughs> for <no>. live streaming? <laughs>
1: no, it's actually, and here you go. This is the first time I've talked about this and it's not launched yet. So you can't even get access to it, but I've started creating it. Um, it's called Fanny Pack Journalism. Because- huh. In you know the late '90s, early and mid 2000s, when the publisher and in industry and in the news industry was starting to see decreases in revenue because of the digital interference and disruption, they would stop sending a videographer, a producer, and a reporter out. They would send one person to play all of those roles, and everything fit in a backpack. Well, now everything you need. It's in a fanny pack. So, yes, fannypackjournalism.com at some point this year is going to be pushed out. But it's, I just want to have these little video tips that if you follow them, you will do yourself more justice on. I mean, just something as simple as a setup. Is it a professional studio? No. But is it clear? Is my audio sufficient? You know, all the elements? Yes. And you want right. to be consistent if you're going to be doing video. And the only time I feel where that is the you know there's an exception to that is in rare circumstances whether it be you're in a location and you just have to show something because this moment won't happen again mm-hmm. or you're trying to capture something that is just so raw and genuine that you're not worried about the rest of it because your authenticity is going to come through.
0: Yeah, those are great tips. Um, what do you think of all the all the entrepreneurs? I, I, I see this mostly in entrepreneur circles that they're like walking and talking as part of their shtick. Like they, there's, you know, they're, they're going through their day out in the streets and doing little live, live updates. Is that something you would recommend or shy away from?
1: It depends on you and your following. I mean, that's a big thing. You have to have the attitude and personality for that. And the coordination, mind you, (laughs) you know, there's some people, I don't think I am the most injury prone coordinated person that I've ever met. I've had 11 different surgeries in my life Mm. and it's, I'm like, um, no, that's not something I'm going to Because <laughs> you'd
0: catch the whole fall on live streaming video. <laughs> you know,
1: and maybe yeah. that's the way to get virality, but that's not the virality yeah, yeah, that I yeah, want yeah. for sure. But I think it's, it's really dependent on your brand and the tribe that you've built. And um, someone who I admire in terms of his own brand building and what he's built out is um, a guy, Peter Shankman. You may know him. He founded Help a Reporter Out, and he does a podcast, oh, Now faster yeah, than Normal and one of the things he said and it's actually in the book this is why i bring it up is that you know you have to earn the right to influence people you have to earn the right to have an audience you need to work towards this it's not just something that comes because oh look i'm just going to start every week building myself and talking 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 no it's something that happens systematically over time i mean sometimes there's surprises where people follow you from but you have to build that up before you can really i don't know be casual and lax about it because there's so much of that out there. If you're, yeah, nerd, why would someone choose you to watch? Over-
0: yeah, well, and it sounds like going back to what you said earlier about consistency like when I was starting my podcast and getting advice from people about that, people like one of the number one things I heard, I guess the number one thing was decent enough sound quality because. Otherwise, people aren't going to share your show. Um, the second one was consistency in when they came out. So the episodes couldn't come out sporadically. You can't build a following like that. Yeah. So people have to know the consistency of the kind of guests you're going to have on, like the format, the, the length. There's a lot of, of it, is expectations have to be met, right? Or surpassed, but not mm-hmm. diminished, you know? So what, what do you find challenging? Like, what has been, I don't know, like you've, you've had, like you said, a few different pivots in your life. So what has been the challenge for you in doing that shift? And what did you do to overcome that challenge?
1: You know, for me, the biggest challenge is I like to do so many things. And with an area such as communication, and I'm not just talking saying like, oh, I know how to communicate because I've been doing it all my life. Like, no, I studied it for you know well over a decade I taught at a university for 10 years I have all the academic stuff behind it right but then it's combining that with the real world stuff and what I find is there's so many applications for it and one of the challenges that I have and I do think you know while I've been doing this for you know a handful of years one of my biggest challenges is saying no when I know I'm capable of doing a really good job at something Mm -hmm. where I should just probably be trying to really focus in on only certain things. Like, okay, now, Jill, for the next two years, only focus on the video stuff with organizations and see where that goes. But then a company that I really want to work with comes and says, hey, we need help getting our our lower level employees getting buy-in from their superiors. Is that something you can cover? I'm like, actually there's a chapter on it in here i wrote it in another textbook back in 2009 like yes i can absolutely do that and i get excited about it but then it takes away from a narrow focus so if the the riches are in the niches i have not yet achieved that that's one flaw that i absolutely have
0: yeah i think that uh there is riches in the niches but also there's a point at which if you have if it's i get i think there's like also the school of thought that if you have the expertise built up already it's not actually detracting that much from your new focus, trying to develop expertise in multiple niches is, I think, the biggest thing to avoid. But if you've already developed expertise and it's just like an afternoon to go and do something, like that doesn't, you know, don't beat yourself up too much. (laughs) But I do think that is a challenge because similarly, like your topic's communication and my topic, generally speaking, is networking and relationship building, which everybody needs help with right? So, and I've worked with a wide range of clients and I myself have been in that same uh, space now to really start to niche down. And my focus now is working with coaches and it's coaches who also have speaking. Like that's, if I really want to be honest, it's, it's not speakers first, but it's coaches who speak, um, because I can help them develop the relationships they need to really find new, uh, business streams, new markets, Identify the people in there I mean we we basically know eighty percent of the people we need to know. We just aren't talking to more than a third of them. Like their past connections, their loose connections, their weak ties. you know, so part of it's just developing our network more robustly and then you know strategically moving forward. but but i could I could have chosen a zillion different niches, right? that is that's a huge challenge. And I think it's a discipline. <laughs> and you have to hear it so many times from your your peers right to keep focusing down have you seen that actually help you as you've gotten really focused is that actually part of your success since 2011 is to get like focused time each couple years in a different area
1: you know i would say no, probably not. And I'm not this like wildly successful upper six figures entrepreneur, right? Like I live in New York city. I have a wonderful life. I'm very fortunate, right? Like this is, I do my thing, but I am not one of these uh, crazy people that you'd find in a book on massive successes. But I, I like to think of myself as this like mere mortal success. Like I'm a small town girl from Kansas. Yeah, I live in New York City in this beautiful place. I get to see a lot of the world and do what I love. Like I'm so fortunate and I'm motivated by different things, right? Which again, part of my leadership is that anyone who follows me knows that I'm going to give them something that is a mere mortal a, you know, path to accomplish some goal. It's not going to be some outlandish, you need to invest 50 grand in this type of studio production to make this work for you.
0: Yeah. So um, as you're striving for success, which you're, you're clearly have found for yourself, and you've I love that you find your own definition for it as well. There's always going to be that fear of failing, falling short, you know, being wrong in some way. What are the aspects of your business that you're not great at? Like, what are the things that you're like, that's not my part. Like, I you know, I have to find help for that or like what, yeah, what's the stuff that you're, it's not yours. Cause you're really, it seems like you're good at quite a range of things.
1: You know, it's one of those things that you get complacent in business or maybe a little lazy at times, or you take things for granted. And I, I most, most people, you need to be really honest with yourself about that. And then in the past three months, especially I hit uh, after my book came out in March, I was on the road 80 plus percent of the time. And I ended up in May hitting probably the worst wall that Mm. I've ever hit since being in business. I actually wrote an article about it in entrepreneur. And it was one of those where you write it and you click submit and you vomit a little bit because you're thinking, (laughs) Oh my God, I was just that vulnerable. And wow, people are going to judge me, you know? And it was really about how for, you know, about three and a half months, it became my vanishing quarter. I served my existing clients, but other than that, I was worthless. I mean, just in bed half the day, eating chips and salsa and drinking craft beer, like I was worthless. And coming out of that, realizing what really do I do well? What do I enjoy doing? And then what do I need to really push at was a huge part of overcoming that plateau. And one of those things for me is marketing. Well, I theoretically and in applied sense... Can do it for other people. I am so lazy about doing it for myself because I have been very fortunate to build a robust word of mouth referral business. So as long as I have the basic presence covered, I can sustain what I'm doing, and that's lazy because I need to be pushing ahead. And so that's one area I will outright own is that you know now not all these marketing people like, hey, I can help you. No, no, no. Like I, I know what I need to do here. It's just making the uh, matter of putting the time aside to do it when. I'm like, well, wow, I just did a great gig. I'm going to sit back and relax a little bit. No, get to work.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think that's really important and to think broadly about what that marketing looks like. I mean, being on podcasts is part of marketing, right? Like it's a a new world where, you know, um, before we started this conversation, we were talking about a common friend. We have a good friend, Dori Clark. And like, it feels like her marketing is to be everywhere. Like everybody I've talked to and I say like, how did you meet her? It's like, from a different place, a virtual summit, a podcast, uh, an, an event, a dinner, like, you know, and and by the way, she's an introvert. <laughs> so she's not doing, if she can do it and manage her time that way, I mean, it's totally possible, but she's also taking advantage of all these online opportunities to be, to be present in the world through podcasts, through virtual summits and that kind of thing. So yeah, it sounds like you have your work cut out for you, but you know what to do. And it's so good that you stopped and had a moment Of self-reflection because I think in the the middle of doing like and this is true whether you're working in a company or whether you're working for yourself there's like a point where you have to sort of have that that moment of pause and and actually when you're working in a company there's often like a a self-assessment built into the year and I was just thinking about this because my wife is in the process of doing her self-assessment for her employer and I thought wow I don't really I've been out of like the day job for years now I don't have that automatic I mean it was always felt a little hokey and forced and I didn't really have time for it. And you know, <laughs> But it was still really a positive exercise in the, in the end. And I was thinking, wow, entrepreneurs don't have that uh, held over their head in a have to kind of way and so easy to push it aside. Um, but you reached a point where you were like, I have to do this was, you know, because you felt like you weren't living the life you had sort of put together and, and dreamt up.
1: No, not at all. And I really needed for me to identify what were the factors that were causing me to really feel this burnout, uh, you know, what it was. And for me, one of it was travel. I mean, I was traveling all the time. And while some people think that's so glamorous and sexy, and don't get me wrong, I am so happy to live the life that I do. But I also know when I personally am out of balance. And that was a big part of it, figuring that out. And that's the same thing with, you know, what marketing do you do? For me, it's okay. I know I need to update some video, uh, a speaker video. If I want to do the keynote thing, I need to update my demo video and I need to uh, do a facelift on my website. The podcast, the going to events or whatever, that's easy because you become present, you show up, you rock it, you do the best you can and then you're done. But with a longer term project like that, it's okay, here's, you know, it's inches instead of miles.
0: That's true. Uh, You're reminding me I have worked through my website. Who
1: doesn't, <laughs> uh, right? It's, it's like constant. <laughs> it
0: is. Well, as I have more revelations about how I'm focusing my business, new new offerings that I have, and I'm like, in conversation, I can tell you all about it, but it's not reflected in all the materials. And it just keeps evolving and it's staying on top of it. It's such a really important point that you make. So part of being successful is... Working nonstop, it just like you said, like the the travel. I think particularly for entrepreneurs, but this is also true for my C suite listeners who are just like so dedicated to their jobs and obviously worked through their career to get to that place, that corner office experience. What is the? I don't know. <laughs> I hesitate to call it work life balance because I'm I'm aiming more for integration in my own life, work life integration. But I think particularly um, as entrepreneurs, it's kind of hard to know that line. So. I'm going to ask us a little differently. I'm going to say, how do you know when you're not at work? Hmm.
1: I like the way you phrase that. How do I know when I'm not at work? When I am 100% tuned in on something else, because the way for, I think you have to know how your own brain works too. So like, my brain fires quickly. There's conditions, you can call it, whatever you want. My brain fires quickly. And I am not the person who can just sit and watch a movie. Easily at all, even if it is an amazing movie i'm sitting and i'm writing notes about something else I'm thinking about how that scene in the movie pertains to something else. I mean, I was at freaking game seven of the alcs on saturday right in houston I happened to be in houston for a client game seven of the american league championship series was there I am at the game and what am I doing? I'm taking notes and I got an article in entrepreneur about lessons that we can learn about fan engagements from watching playoff baseball Because that's just what I do But for me, I know I am off when I just kind of get a little dazed and so engrossed in an experience that I can't help it. And a lot of times for me, that comes through something like photography or through story. So I think of poetry in my head or I think of ways I would describe things in my head I like to take pictures of things and capture unique angles and become truly engrossed in something. Or when you're having a conversation, I mean, well, yes, this is work, Robbie. I am totally into this conversation and I'm not thinking about, well, now I am, but now I'm not thinking about the million other things, right? (laughs) So it's that type of focus that you get where it's combined with focus, intensity, but enjoyment and pleasure.
0: Yeah. Pink elephant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what are you thinking about, Jill? <laughs> you know, now it's horrible, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I work with my clients on that a lot because they're like, I get so in my own head and when I'm at an event and I get I'm all wrapped up about what I'm supposed to be doing and like where my feet should be and who I should talk to, what I should be saying, and and I worry about how people are gonna see me and I have this whole story in my head about how badly the night went. And now and then now they walk in and they just like, you know, pink elephant, you know, blue. What you know, it's just like they just, and they they laugh a little in their head, and they get out of their own way. And part of it's like it's hard. You've got to interrupt that narrative in your head about work, work, work. Uh, but it also sounds like you're really good at finding like stories in everyday life, which is something we can all relate to. <laughs> so don't turn it off all the way. But it's good to know that. You, do you have any uh, actual daily or, or regular practice that you do around around? I guess self care broadly speaking.
1: Uh, two things. Uh, I mean, exercise, I think is a pretty standard answer for most people. I neglected that when I got went down through my big breakdown. And that's one of the things that I know I wasn't exercising regularly. And uh, that's just it's not acceptable, period, end of story in my life. That's I can't sustain what I do without having that. Um, but for me, the other thing is crafting, like, mm. you know, Uh, I, from making cards with the embossing and the fancy stuff and then I love one day a week I focus on sending a few handwritten cards out to people that's just something that makes me happy it's something I love to do I create the cards and then I send them and crocheting oddly enough like I crochet like a freaking ninja if there's ever an apocalypse and we need supplies clothing provisions rope nets like I am the person you want (laughs) on your team when the zombies come (laughs) Uh, I'll
0: I'll make my uh (laughs) A note right here. Okay. Right here, <laughs> making a note. You know, it's actually funny. I, I It's not something I've kept up with, but every few winters, I will start knitting and I knit preemie hats. I had I had a great aunt who knit preemie hats and donated them to a hospital. And when I was a kid, she taught me a little bit about knitting and I forgot all about it and like stumbled upon it when I was an adult. And sort of in her memory, because I, I, honestly, after you learn how to knit scarves and you have three of them, you don't need any more scarves. Then you learn how to knit a hat and you're like, now I have two hats. I don't need more hats. So knitting premium hats was sort of a nice way to get through a project quickly. And But I can't multitask while doing it because I'm not actually that good. So I can't, I don't even know. I mean, I might be able to watch a movie, but like not really. Like it's that, it takes so much concentration. I actually liked that. It kept my hands busy. It kept my brain busy. Um, that was a very off moment, which is it, almost in a meditative way. Um... And now I try to have a regular practice of meditation, but I don't produce cute little hats anymore. So that's a sad thing. Also, <laughs> winter's coming. Maybe I'll pick it up again. <laughs> Winter
1: is coming. Game yes. of Thrones. <laughs> the, the, the amazing thing about what you said, and it now helps me better articulate what I was trying to say earlier. So thank you for that. Is that if in order for me to focus my mind away from business, I need to have it completely focused on something else. Like that's mm-hmm. a succinct way to say it. And crocheting, like right now, I... So I have a nephew, he's six months old, it's the first. And I am more in love with this tiny human being than I've been anything in my life. And I've made him stuffed animals and sweaters and whatnot. So now my (laughs) my project right now is making me a cardigan sweater. I've never made an adult a piece of clothing before. So kind of, but you have to be so focused on what you're doing. And I find also that in entrepreneur world where you're making small changes that you don't see immediate results from, For me, it's nice mentally to have a craft project, painting a room or doing whatever it is where you're seeing immediate results on your efforts. And that is some type of gratification too.
0: Yeah, it's very different from the world I used to have where I organized about 25 events a year for my day job, 25 events for my side project, two conferences a year. I was constantly working to completion, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there was a lot to do. But I also felt like momentum, like, okay... Done, done, done. We're here. It's there like so much of the work is long range planning, you know, focused effort without necessarily seeing like a really even work with clients. There's no like magical moment of done. It's just like it's just it's just sharing. It's connecting. But yes, having a project. So that's something hopefully people can take away. Think about the things you like to do. And then don't get so good at them that you then make them into business. Because <laughs> then you might lose some joy. If you start selling adult carnigans, we'll yeah, know. You went (laughs) too far to the extreme, Jill. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about about your network, right? So you have had all these different life experiences, different types of industries that you've lived in and worked in. And um, you're now actually co-chairing the National Speakers Association annual conference, their Influence 2018, which is a really big undertaking. And obviously, you're well known in that space as well. So congratulations on that. And you guys have been fantastic in everything I've seen so far. So you've met amazing people from five years ago to 15 years ago. How do you nurture these connections? Like, are you intentional about cultivating this? Is it happenstance? Like, not just the meeting of people, but keeping them somewhere in your your circles. How do you do that?
1: You know, some, in some ways I think I do an amazing job. And in some ways I think I'm utterly failing. And it's, you know, for me, social media is a big thing. And me showing up and being me on social media is a big thing. Again, that consistency thing. So when people are meeting me at events, they see the social media presence. They're like, oh yeah, this is the same person, but I had no idea she crocheted. That's freaking cool. And she's being silly and dorky about it. Yep. That silly and dorky. That is a person we know. Okay. We're good. You know, uh, social media has been a big help for me for maintaining relationships. Another thing I try to do is when I meet people who are from all over the world, whenever I travel for business, I try to meet up with at least one person. And this is, it's part of what drains me and part of what leads to my burnout I am more introverted than most people would be led to believe as well. Um, I like my alone time. I like that after this, I can shut this down and curl up with my cat and just get to work writing and not have to talk to a human being for a while. Uh, It's nice, but it's really making proactive efforts to reach out because even if you reach out and you say, hey, everyone, I'm going to be in Dallas on this day and I'm going to be sitting for two hours at this location, please come out if you can people see that you're reaching out and if they can't come, it still is a positive deposit in that relationship Mm. bucket, so to speak, because you made the effort to make that happen. And so I like doing those open house type events when I'm in places. I know a lot of people do it, you know, coffee's on me or come to this bar, you know, whatever it is. Um, I like doing that because it's efficient, but it also lets people know that you genuinely are thinking about them when you're in their city.
0: Right. That's really smart. It's a nice way to integrate it into your life too. How do you keep track of where people live? Is there, I have all these ideas for how to do it, but like, how do you do it?
1: You know what is really frustrating? So people listening, if you are a developer, there needs, there could be an amazing app for this. In fact, Facebook could have an amazing app built in for this and they do not. So if I had that wherewithal, I would actually, that's one of the five different apps that I would like to create, right? Is mm-hmm. the location. And it's like not only hometown, but current location too. So right. you could see it. Especially when you travel a lot for work and you have a network of people who also travel. I mean, one of my best friends that lives in New York—we hadn't seen each other in six months. We ended up in Miami at the same time, so we took a day out of our—you know—okay, we're each staying in Miami another day because that was easier than meeting
0: up in New York. Yeah, I actually see a lot of my close friends at, at conferences or in a adjacent to conferences because of that, right? Even though they live right here in the city. So um, Rimit Seti does this actually through a very simple method of uh, Google. Uh, Gmail labels. So as he meets people, he just adds a label. So then it's not accurate in the same sense that you're saying like current city. But if you know someone's from Chicago, you know, you could pull the Chicago label, message all the people from Chicago. That's real, like a low key kind of way. Um, I have started to use Contactually for the tracking this a little bit. Um, I've been trying, like most of the people in my Contactually are actually kind of weaker connections, like I'd say medium to weak connections because my stronger contacts I'm already, I'm in touch with. <laughs> I don't forget to call them. Um, so I re- I, when I first started using Contactually, I was all about building in my like current clients and my best prospects. And I was like, actually like, I, those people I'm nurturing all the time. I'm talking to them. I realized that I actually needed help with, you know, Jill, Like you and I have connected vaguely a few times. Like, this is really nice to have a podcast as a reason to connect. Now we're working together around the conference. I feel like by the time I see you at the conference, we know each other. And it's about sustaining that over the years. Um, so I've been trying to give him thought to that. I mean, index cards to that effect actually work. But there used to be a way to look things up in Facebook and they they kind of took it away. I mean, it's really sad. There was a way to say like current location and, or where people are from. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really as they built it out. And yet they have that app, the feature where it's like, who's near you? And I've landed actually at the conference in Phoenix, Arizona. I landed and was driving from the airport and someone that my wife, I know through my wife, so not someone I knew well, like she went to school with them, um, messaged me and said, are you in Phoenix? And I was like, yes. So she met me on the last day. We had dinner and she drove me to the airport. Um, And that was possible because there was a little bing. Like Robbie Samuels is nearby. She was like, that doesn't sound right. Is that true?
1: (laughs) It's amazing when, and again, I'll go back to social media. When you're using it, not just as, oh, I need to be on here for business, but when you're using it to genuinely cultivate relationships, right? Yeah. You start to learn where people are and you see where people are posting. I mean, one of my... You know, someone who I admire and look up to and who is, and I'm blessed to have in my network, uh, he's a phenomenal speaker, Scott Stratton. He uh, posted something, location stamped Phoenix. I was literally on a plane on my way to Phoenix and said, hey, see you're in Phoenix, have any free time? I'm going to be staying here. I used to live there. Let me know. Let me know if you, one, need any recommendations, but two, if you have time, let's grab a coffee, you know? And he's like, yeah. So we sat outside in a beautiful January day in Phoenix. Those beautiful January days in Phoenix happen, and you know, had coffee just because of monitoring that. And it's not something that you're on twenty four seven, but it's when you are on social media, being cognizant of how is it not only a way for you to push, 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 but more important, how is it a way to connect, connect, connect?
0: I love it. I love it. And what a great example because Scott Stratton is like probably one of the busiest, most connected people. You, you could meet and to have a rare downtime with him. He's always got a buzz, a hive of people around him. He's always working on something. So you saw the opportunity and you made, a, you made an offer as well. You weren't just like, meet me for coffee so I can pick your brain. You're like, I live in the, I've lived in the area. I could help give recommendations if you have time. You know, so I think it's also thinking about that approach, right? Um, not Of actually a connection, a friendship. Um, that you're building on, not a, I need something from you, which I think sometimes people walk that line a little too close.
1: You know, it was what was so fascinating and what I've learned recently. I did a keynote at a German Speakers Association annual conference this past September. So I was in Austria speaking. Yeah, they all speak it's, Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> I, I was there. And, you know, I give many keynotes in the United States. And after every keynote, you will get comments from the audience. You know, most of them positive. Uh, you know, except the random person who just wants to wait in line to try to bring you down, uh, which is inevitable in almost every event. It happens, but the good far outweighs the bad. And you're standing in line. You're thinking, okay. And how many of those is like, oh, would you do this? I'd love to meet you for this. And there's always, oh, you did a great job. Can I? Oh, I did a great job. Will you? And uh, if it's something other than a selfie, right in the moment, it's. It's just like, really, so you waited in line just for your own benefit. Whereas when I was over there, what fascinated me was people came up in droves and gave the most pointed comments I've ever had. I mean, one moment, I didn't think I would like you for your first two minutes. It didn't seem like you were really into it. But then all of a sudden, you became good. Actually, one of the best. Thank you. You (laughs) I walked away. I'm like, thank you. Like That was the most awesome comment ever. But I got comment after comment after comment and compliment, but no ask, no, will you, can wow. do. And it was a huge, I felt more energized after getting off that stage and being at the convention than others where I only did one small thing at something else. And it was because there wasn't the drain of the ask. And I think when we're networking and we genuinely want to make a connection, we aren't thinking of it as a, what's in it for me, but hey, this person has impacted me. Let me offer to help them or let me tell them how they've impacted me. And then if we can meet, it's not a picking the brain. It's because I want to get to know you.
0: Right. This is so perfect. I mean, I will just say it a little, a little more succinctly, which is it's always worth thanking people. Like it's right. Like I think anybody who's doing something in the world, I, I just think there's, you know, sharing that gratitude. And then that's how relationships get built. I, I, I It's very clear from where I'm sitting, when there's a distinction between the person who's trying to get something for me and someone who's really just genuinely like, "I like what you're doing, I want to be part of it, and I want to share what I'm doing and I just think it's just a different energy, and even though in the end, I might actually still be putting a lot of effort into helping that person, it, what I get back from it is so different like it it feels like yeah i mean i so I practice like living in in a very abundant fashion, and so you know it really. You know, I, I believe I am enough, I have enough, and I choose to live my life with abundance. That's like a mantra of mine. So it's so easy for me to want to say yes to everybody, but you can clearly see the people who, when you say yes, it really is deepening something, right? Versus just like a task list. Okay, I'm going to like cross this off my list. So good reminders. I wanted to offer you a different framework for thinking about what's coming up. In the next year because when you and i are meeting a year from now and sitting down and having coffee in some beautiful location that we've run into each other because facebook told us we were nearby i want to say that we're going to be celebrating all of the accomplishments you've had in the past year so what would we be celebrating
1: oh that's a good question well number one my volunteer work in putting on this conference that's coming up in july uh, making sure that that is the best Thing to possibly serve the membership and the attendees that has ever existed. Right. And um, yeah, there's like the ego competition, like we want to make this one the best ever. Right. But it's, it's also to be humbled, to be in a place of service at one of the most visible levels in an, an international, essentially organization is yeah. just mind blowing. And then to be, uh, you know, I am the youngest and my co-chair and I together are the two youngest co-chairs ever. Wow. To do This. And it's. It's humbling and terrifying and super flattering <laughs> at the same time. And <laughs> we take that so seriously that we have trying to been so proactive and transparent in this and letting people feel a part of it. So to come away from a convention where people genuinely felt that no matter what walk of life they're from, no matter what they were looking to gain, that they felt a part of a bigger experience. And I think that's a celebration for everything that my clients feel part of the bigger experience that mm. when I bring live streaming to conferences, uh, that they feel that they've created a bigger experience. So bigger experience.
0: I love it. I can't wait to be talking to you about how all that went, <laughs> particularly this convention, which I am so excited with my fourth time going to influence and, I will be including links in the show notes so everyone can go check it out. Awesome. If, if you're even thinking about kind of getting into the world of speaking, if you're already there, don't wait. Like So I left my day mm-hmm. job in the end of 2014. I'd already been speaking on the side for years. But as soon as I left, I joined the National Speakers Association. I didn't wait because I could have waited 10 years, tried to make it, and then joined but why waste all that time learning it on your own? <laughs> like, go find your people. And I've sent many people to the conference with that in mind. And they have found mastermind groups to be part of, peer accountability, coaches, um, uh, you know, a vision for their business they didn't have before. And you get them by being part of this amazing space. So it's so cool to hear that you know my generation is now pulling that together. Um, that's pretty neat to think about it that way. You know, also makes me feel a little old. <laughs> that we're know, like, right? we're the youngest, but we're still like, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, 30,
1: 35. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, what?
0: <laughs> so, congratulations for that. How can people find you and follow your work?
1: You know, I'm everywhere on social at Dynamic Jill. Pretty simple. Follow me there. And, you know, questions that you have, I think. Robbie, I try to say this all the time when I'm on anyone's podcast and it's not, I mean, yes, it's self-serving, obviously, because I'm going to say it, but I think it's true is so many of us consume content on a regular basis, but rarely do we ever reach out and say anything. And I think one of the biggest gifts you can give a podcast host, a guest is if they said something that was of value to you, just send a tweet, do a Facebook post, tag them in some way, because we love when we get recognition. But we rarely proactively do it for others. And so that's mm. something I'm on a mission to do. Like, Robbie, after our conversation, after I jump off the next call I have, you will see your social media love out there. because that's it's great. It's a way you really share what impacted you. And most of us, we do this because we genuinely want to impact a bigger experience, something positive for people. So let us know how you did that.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Jill. Hopefully we'll see all those tweets and uh, messages pop up. I'm going to include links also to all your social media, your website, um, your Entrepreneur Live YouTube stuff that I found, because I think it's great content. So thanks so much for joining us, Jill.
1: Thanks for having me, Robbie. It was fantastic.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jill. such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 78. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. And don't forget, I'm offering a complimentary 60-minute strategy session for anyone interested in learning more about my Intentional Connections Mastermind. That's an online group coaching program for women coaches and speakers. If you're ready to shift, discover, and act Sign up for your complimentary 60-minute strategy session at robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind. If you enjoyed this episode with Jill, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talented professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On The Schmooze Podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's on the schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.
1: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.